1: Welcome everybody to Histories of the Unexpected, the show in which we explain how everything has a history, even the most unexpected of subjects like pretzels, pianos and leering. Oh, I don't like the sound
2: of doing a history of leering, Sam. However, we will be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining... How those histories link together in unexpected ways. Who knew for example Sam, who knew, and this is a very Christmas themed one here, that the history of toys is in fact all about hidden Viking children or that the history of tattoos is all about imperial domination and ownership in the Roman Empire.
1: The man not sitting opposite me because we're self-isolating, but he will nevertheless help pilot us through these micro-histories. He's one of the country's leading professors of
2: histories. It's Professor Extraordinaire James Daybell. Hello, James. Hello, Sam. And the man not sitting opposite me, but ably helping me co-pilot these episodes during lockdown is the famous historical adventurer, Dr. Sam Willis. This is the sixth, Six, James. We've done six already. <sighs> of Goodness me special
1: Christmas-themed micro-histories in which we embrace the task of demonstrating how an unexpected subject not only has a history, but is massively important and interesting in just 15 minutes. And we do it without just talking faster. We start with a shared example, then have just five minutes each to make a case for an interesting history on that very
2: unexpected subject. Contributions are rigorously timed. And you... You, are, dear listeners, you will get to vote on social media on what you think was the most interesting fact that you heard in the episode. Today's topic, inspired by
1: Christmas, believe it or not, is the wonderful history of rioting. James, where are we going to begin?
2: Well, nothing says Christmas quite like a riot. And we're going to go back to the 17th century here because Christmas has often been about violence and rioting as much as it is about caring and sharing. It's well known, for example, that Oliver Cromwell and the Puritans sought to abolish Christmas. They viewed it as a popish superstition. and One ordinance was passed by Parliament, in other words a law, was passed by Parliament in June 1647 which threatened with punishment anyone who celebrated the festival of Christmas. Now, as you can imagine, this ban did not go down very well in all quarters. And in December 1647, many of the citizens of the city of Canterbury defied it, taking to the streets to riot. And there was a pamphlet printed at the time a pamphlet entitled Canterbury's Christmas or a True Relation of the Insurrection in Canterbury on Christmas Last, which describes how shops that stayed open on this holy day were ransacked, the mayor, aldermen and constables attacked, the sheriff himself knocked down and, I quote, his head fearfully broke. It was God's mercy his brains were not beat out.
1: Whoa, I've never had my head broke. I don't like
2: the sound. No, of that, nor have I. Mm.
1: Does it mean literally cracked
2: open? Yeah, I vinegar and means. brown paper is like split open. <laughs>
1: oh, no. Anyway, in another example, this one uh, is from America in 1776. It's the start of the American Revolutionary War. There's a rebel militia guarding the maritime route to Canada uh, from America um, at, at Fort Ticonderoga. And it's a sort of a crazy simmering pot of class and cultural rivalry in this very isolated outpost. And it's exacerbated by cold and boredom. They all get smashed on Christmas Day. And it turns into, a, I mean, an unbelievable riot of extreme violence. And the soldiers turn on each other like hungry dogs. A recently discovered personal account noted how Pennsylvania soldiers, armed with guns, bayonets and swords, by force entered the tents and huts of Massachusetts officers and soldiers, dragging many out of doors naked and wounding them, robbing And plundering. So there you go, rioting in the wilderness in the American Revolution. That particular episode didn't end very well at all. Um, If you want to find out more about this remote part of the Hudson Highlands and how it's instrumental to the outcome of the American Revolution, you need to read my book, The Struggle for Sea Power. Anyway, enough of that plug there, James. Where do we go from here? We've done a bit of history of rioting there at Christmas, but what about other types of riots?
2: Aha! Well, this takes us to uh, the 1990s. Right, uh, stop! I'm going
1: to begin you now. Okay? You okay, have, yes, you have,
2: James. You have got five minutes. Beginning oh, oh. in three, two, one, go. Well, as I said, this takes us to the very early 1990s and the poll tax riots uh, relating to Mrs. Thatcher. Um, Mrs. Thatcher, who was there, also known as Milk Snatcher. Uh, the poll tax riots were; these are a series of riots in in. British towns and cities during this period. And what they were revolting against was something called the Community Charge, uh, which was known uh, colloquially as the poll tax. This was brought in by Mrs Thatcher and her Conservative government of the period. And what it did was it actually transformed the way in which local taxes were levied. And it replaced a rate system now, a rate system had been a fairly equitable system of taxation, which was based on property ownership. So, effectively, each household paid on the basis of the size of the house that they had, which is very similar to um, to the sort of council tax that we have nowadays, that, that sort of system, um, whereas the poll tax was levelled on the individual to pay. Now, This is a very sort of regressive tax system. Effectively, what that means is it's something that penalises the poor and subsidises the rich. While uh, registered unemployed and students only paid 20%, some large families living in a council house, for example, had to pay for every single member of the house. So if you were a mother and father with five kids... Five of you uh, would have to five, seven of you would be paying that rather than one lump sum. And of course, this was extremely unpopular. Um, We see setting up a whole series of organisations against it. So November 1989, the All Britain Anti-Poll Tax Federation was set up. We've got groups such as 3D don't register, don't pay, don't collect and there are a series of marches to demonstrate against this and one of the most famous was one on the 31st of March 1990 in London which met in Kennington Park um, and then pours out around London. Um, it There are estimated between 180,000 and quarter of a million people. A huge crowd. It starts at about 1.30 in the afternoon. By 2.30, they've got into Trafalgar Square. By 3pm, the march stops in Whitehall. And the police around Downing Street get really concerned. And there's very heavy-handed sort of...
0: Selling a little or a lot? so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Police presence here. The whole thing overspills. And by 4 p.m., when the rally is almost over, the crowd sort of gets... Out of control, and by four thirty the police have closed down the train stations in the sort of surrounding area around Trafalgar Square, and from about five pm onwards we see rioting beginning and what happens is then people get funneled into that out of Trafalgar Square they get funneled down Northumberland avenue they get funneled into the sort of wealthy parts of London around the West End and those shopping streets and there are reports of people just going wild and overturning cars and looting goods and breaking shop windows across Oxford Street, Regent Street into Covent Garden and the whole thing is to basically um, protest against, it's to riot against these the poll tax, and about a hundred and thirteen people were injured um and about three hundred and thirty nine people were arrested and It continued on into the early hours of the night until about three a m and it's It shows really the real sort of distrust with the conservative government of Mrs Thatcher the real concern that people have with the inequitability of the poll tax. And in fact, when John Major came into power, one of the first things that he did was to actually axe the the poll tax and introduce the council tax, which came into effect in 1992. And an opinion poll that was conducted in 1990... Suggested that about 78% of the population opposed the tax.
1: That, James, believe it or not, what was What's your, that? Uh, that your alarm was the poll tax riot of ah. 1990. <laughs> Excellent. I love and that, Sam. Yeah, it's, un- it's shockingly violent what's actually going on there. Everyone go, go onto YouTube and have a look at the uh, the riots of the poll tax because that brings to home um, just how fearful these things can be. Uh, you can uh, finish your sentence and then
2: conclude James Daybol. So I had finished my sentence, but there you go, Sam. Rioting is all about Britain in the 1990s, Mrs Thatcher and the poll tax riots. And I must admit, I find contemporary history like that immensely challenging. And hats off to those historians who are able to perform the Hercules task of historical objectivity uh, on a topic like that i found it very difficult to stay dispassionate <laughs> okay no, over to you good. sam uh, right. what are you going to talk to us about i'm going to talk to you about india oh, give me my five minutes go go oh. go okay you have a very strict five minutes on your marks get set go
1: now Um, I am going to be talking about uh, India, the British Empire in India more specifically and the uh, pattern of growing violence there which led to the Indian mutiny of 1857. It really is a fascinating piece of history not only because of the violence that you can see and you can really plot these episodes of extreme violence and rioting and fighting uh, throughout uh, the British presence in India but there's a balance to it and when there is some wonderful examples of peaceful protest as well. I think I'll keep the um, descriptions of the peaceful protests until we... We should do an episode on peace, James, I think. But we're going to do something on rioting now. Here's a bit of background, some dates for you. 1756, the black hole of Calcutta. I bet many of you have heard of that. That is when um, the Nawab of Bengal attacks a British settlement in Calcutta and imprisons 146 colonists. And he puts them in a space measuring just six metres by eight metres, causing 123 of them to die. So some extreme violence there. 1757, there's a, there's a big battle. Uh, Robert Clive leads troops to victory um, against the Nawab of Bengal. Now, um, I'm going to fast forward you to 1857. So this is a a century and one year after that black hole of Calcutta event. And we have the Indian Mutiny. It's a violent rebellion against British involvement in India. As part of the rebellion, uh, there's a great deal of uh, massacres. Uh, Families of British troops are massacred. 200 women and children are killed. And what I wanted to do was read you a bit of the description, of a description of the mutiny. This is from uh, Elisa Greathead, a British woman living in Meerut with her husband at the time of the incident. And she writes down her experiences on the 10th of May, 1857. That's the day that the rebellion really begins in earnest. After hearing a, a commotion in the distance, and be warned of the danger. There's a sense of pressure building up over time. Uh, she and her husband take shelter on the rooftop of their house. The increasing tumult, thickening smoke and fires all around, convinced us of the necessity of making our position as safe as we could. Our guard were drawn up below. After dark, a party of insurgents rushed into the grounds, drove off the guard and broke into the house and set it on fire. On all sides, we could hear them smashing and plundering and calling loudly for us. It seemed once or twice as though footsteps were on the staircase, but no one came up. We owed much to the fidelity of our servants. Had but one proved treacherous, our lives must have been sacrificed. After some time, the flames got the ascendant and the smoke became intolerable. Just as the fire threatened our destruction, we heard the voice of one of our servants calling to us to come down. At all risks we descended, our faithful servant Golab Khan, seeing our perilous situation amidst the increasing flames, and that every moment was precious, with his characteristic presence of mind and quickness, had suddenly thought of a plan by which to draw away the mob who, after having satisfied themselves with all the plunder they could get, were every moment becoming more eager in their search for us. He boldly went up to them, won their confidence by declaring himself of their faith and willing to give us up to their hands. He assured them it was useless to continue their search in the house, but if they would all follow him, he would lead them to a haystack where we had been concealed the plan succeeded and so convinced were they that what he had told them was the truth that not a man remained behind in this interval we got safely down not a human being was to be seen near the house but we had only just time to escape into the garden when the mutinous crowd returned madder than ever at the deception that had been practised on them Never was dawn more welcome to us than on the 11th of May. The daylight showed how complete the work of destruction had been. All was turned into ruin and desolation, and our once bright, happy home was now a blackened pile. Sad was the scene, but thankfulness for life left no place for other regrets. With the morning light, the mob had all dispersed, and we had no difficulty in making our way to the Dragoon Lines, where we were the most cordially welcomed by our friends Captain and Mrs Cookson. They had felt the greatest apprehension as to our fate, knowing that as we were out of cantonments, no help could have been given to us. We had been utterly cut off from all communication through the night, and sad was the tale of murder and bloodshed we now heard. So it's a fascinating uh, description there of the riotings that uh, that happened at the beginning of the Indian mutiny and turned into full-scale fighting. And all the more significant when you consider the subsequent peaceful demonstrations against British rule, um, summed up by Mohandas Gandhi. And the uh, uh, the Salt March in 1930, uh, which is a Richard. wonderful example. What
2: Merrick have I got Richard. there, James? <laughs> well, I didn't want to do. I wanted to be subversive. I wanted to riot against this and do something a little more, um, a little more topical. Oh, wow! <laughs> I thought that was more riotous the, than than uh, a riot uh plus i got the la uh, 1992 riots uh up and my youtube didn't work so I thought, oh. I, I thought i'd do a sound effects bar instead
1: very good very good anyway i can finish now you can see how writing in this instance is actually all about british rule in india resentment methods of protest and resistance loyalty and servitude absolutely fascinating i hope you've enjoyed that little micro history on the history of rioting um, and it's links with christmas Um, Do please follow me on social media. I'm
2: at Dr. Sam Willis. And I am at James Daybell. And the podcast is at Unexpected Pod. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. And we have a website, historiesoftheunexpected.com, where you can find out all about our back catalogue and everything that we have been up to over the last million years. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, it feels like it sometimes, doesn't it? Uh, thanks all for listening, guys. We'll be back with some more Christmas micro-history soon. Cheerio.
2: And happy Christmas, everyone!
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?